everybody welcome to the football fan show and joined as always by carlos the legend is here good to see you hello there mac how are you yeah very good very good about um this man here's not very good ole ganasoska uh look he uh was running manchester united for three years or nearly three years um started off bringing back the feel-good factor after the poison that jose Mourinho spread around and uh it was it was good times for a bit obviously they didn't uh, have a, a great first season with him, but the second season finished in second incredible and then obviously this season has been um painful at best for manchester united supporters uh for everyone else has been quite quite nice he's in the premier league but uh, not for this man so look it's it's a sad end even he had he did an interview i found it very bizarre i understand why they did it because he's a legend but he did a, an interview for manchester united tv to say goodbye and I suppose he wanted to do that. Fair enough. But what do you make of all of this? Well, you mentioned the fact that he arrived after the uh, turbulence of the Mourinho uh, tenure. Hmm. Uh, the same thing happened at Real Madrid after Mourinho left. Ancelotti came. Yeah. And um, the press called Ancelotti the pacifier. Mm, wow. That's yeah. intense. That tells you perfectly well what was going on before and during the Mourinho reign. Yeah. Um, I think that um, Manchester United with Solskjaer went from one extreme to the other. Mm. Maybe a, a coach who is very strict with his players mm. to one who apparently was not as strict as he should be. Well, no. I heard that uh, the Manchester United dressing room was like a holiday camp. Oh, that really? was an expression that was used the other day on the radio. Wow. In what respect? Well, I imagine that there was discipline and players, player power, players doing as they pleased, coming and going as they pleased. Um, you know, sometimes as a coach, you have to be strict and make sure that players do exactly what they say, what you say. Mm. And if they don't, that there will be consequences. Yeah. And if you don't do that, then um, it doesn't matter how well you get along with players um they won't respond to you uh, of course it's vital for a coach to get on well but you can get on too well i think yeah, yeah. and um anyway i think it was on the cards that he was going to go everyone knew that everyone could see it coming mm -hmm. and manchester united were going from bad to worse because if you consider that <laughs> the last game was a 4-1 defeat to watford yeah um you can't really get much worse than that i suppose you could lose 4-1 to um uh to newcastle or norwich yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but it's not that much worse is it um no. and um the, the most worrying and depressing thing for manchester united is that i think that even though there was a a shred of uh surprise at the result i don't think anybody really thought it was completely out of the question before it happened yeah yeah oh without a shadow of a doubt i mean mm. manchester united have been um all over the place for a while we've already done a previous video on the situation with them and it was well documented like he said i wasn't aware of the discipline issues um which is a concern but it was obvious wasn't it on the pitch uh, and the way people were being relatively outspoken that uh, things weren't great. He's he's a people person, and that's nice. 
But if you're going to be a manager of one of the biggest clubs in the world, you have to be the manager. And that was the difference, wasn't it? We talked about this, didn't we? Uh, Alex Ferguson, so Alex Ferguson, for the most part, as he got older anyway, he didn't take any of the, I mean, same for Arsene Wenger, to be honest, he didn't take any of the actual training sessions. They're kind of around talking to the odd player, but the actual training sessions, they didn't do. And, and you know that really with uh, Ole, that pretty much he was always involved, the rest of it, and he didn't do the manager stuff, looking at the, the kind of the strategic, kind of the overall view of things, which is what he should be doing, surely. It's the British model as opposed to the rest of the world's model. Mm. Uh, in England, uh, for a very long time, they had the uh, role of the manager. Mm who was not really involved on involved in on the pitch matters yes he was um d there during training sessions and i'm sure that he um had a a big input mm. uh, but really it was the team coach who ran things yeah. during training sessions yeah. the manager did everything else yeah uh, but now in the uk people refer to the manager as the head coach because they are coaches now yeah yeah um as opposed to managers you've got a director of football now to take charge of what managers used to do mm. so it's a matter of roles um sir alex ferguson's was different brian clough for instance he used to do his own coaching i know peter taylor did a lot mm. and, and had a big say but uh brian clough was on the pitch during training sessions yeah. And uh, and and shouting at players and <laughs> and slagging them off. <laughs> um, but um, but yes, uh, I think that uh, Solskjaer got on, as I said before, too well. But I I, I just can't help thinking that it's not all his fault. It, it, no. It's easy now to point the finger at Solskjaer and say, and and this is what I've heard people say that he's not up to it, he's not good mm. enough. And well, you know, he finished second last season. Yeah. So he can't be that bad. Yeah. He must have done something right. Of course. Uh, with a team that, in theory and on paper, was uh, inferior to the one that Man United have this season, and he finished second. Yeah. And so, you know, let's give him credit. Credit where uh, credit is due. Absolutely. He's a good manager. And at the end of the day, as well, uh, they were at one point were on course for the title but then obviously they uh you know faded a lot of draws I and mean, obviously man city as they do every second half of the season didn't lose many games in fact one majority of them and then they came roaring past them um but there's other factors we've talked about this so many times but it's it, now people are actually talking about it finally um in the, on tv uh as, I, as we shared um it's been quite well documented about the arrival of Ronaldo, how that brought some sort of euphoria. But Paul Merson said it. He said it clearly that, you know, he, he put Cristiano Ronaldo turning up, which was a sudden thing, because uh, he, he was going everywhere else apart from United until the last minute, uh, messed up the, the situation for Ole in some ways. Um, and this is what he's written. This is, this is as well quite interesting. We know about the kind of, you know, on the pitch antics, but he wrote this uh, this uh, post, uh, not straight away, but like the day after. So um, it's all just a bit, you know, I suppose, you know, smoke and mirrors for me. But 
Uh, what, what do you think about the Ronaldo situation? We've talked about it a bit before, but the Ronaldo's influence on the demise of Ole. Well, you've got to ask yourself whether he's made Manchester United better. Yeah. Basically, this is the same Manchester United team that finished second last season. Yeah. Now, has he made the team better or has he made it worse? The fact that he has scored and he has scored and, and quite a good number of goals uh, shouldn't uh, shadow the, 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 uh, the, the fact that United do have to play in a particular way to accommodate him. Of course. And of course, his figures will be good because um, the team plays so that he is the one who finishes off the moves. And yeah. it's not just at Man U. This has been the case with Ronaldo throughout his career. Mm. And it's a matter of boosting his figures, sometimes at the expense of the actual team. Um, he did not make Juventus better. In fact, Juventus wanted him to go. <laughs> and uh, he, he was offered. He was offered to Real Madrid when still at Juventus. And Real Madrid turned him down. Not many people are saying this. Wow. But Real Madrid turned Thousand him years. down. Um, Manchester City, the talk that he was going there, he was never going to go there. No. And it was only the prospect or the idea that he might go to Manchester City that prompted Manchester United to sign him. Mm. Now, you can have a player score a lot of goals and yet be detrimental to a certain extent to the team. I'm not saying, of course, that it's all down to Ronaldo. I'm just saying that it's one factor yeah. that has to be taken into account. And if the new manager doesn't take this factor into account, uh, things will not get better. Uh, look at the number of goals that Rashford, Greenwood, Cavani were scoring last season. Mm. How many are they scoring this season? Yeah. And that's because either they're not in the team or when they are in the team, the final shot has to be taken by Ronaldo. Yeah. yeah. Also, when you had other uh, players playing up front, um, they would backtrack mm. and they would defend. And with Ronaldo, you know that when he's uh, not on the ball, when his team is not on the ball, then you're down to 10 men. Yeah. Uh, and and in, modern, in today's football, in modern day football, uh, no team can... Uh, I think uh, allow that, and uh, and it's obviously very damaging. Uh, another issue that the Ronaldo signing, I think, uh, has um, ha ha it's created a problem for Manchester United, and that's that. Whereas Solskjaer found a spot for Pogba last season, mm. putting him in that line of three on the left line of three behind the striker with Ronaldo now playing in the number nine role which was occupied by Alba Cavani by Greenwood sometimes Rashford mm. um any of those players now ha has to go on the left yeah so that means Pogba had to drop back into the middle two which is a position where as we know is not his best mm. uh he was doing well for Manchester United playing a bit further up upfield and uh on the left-hand side. Uh, so basically what Merson said is true. Uh, it has actually, the signing, uh, undone Oli's plans. Yeah. 
And mm. I think that's something that has to be taken into account. Again, I'm saying this is not the only reason. This is not why United are doing so badly, but it is a very important factor. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think uh, it's going to be difficult for anybody because of Ronaldo's status in the club to be able to turn the situation around. Um, uh, that's why I suppose they put a caretaker man managing job, Michael Carrick tonight, Villarreal. And the man Unai Emery is there, who knows a thing or two about playing in Europe. Uh, so he's going to be there. And then his next game after that is Chelsea away, Arsenal at home, and then obviously it goes on from there. But the next three games are, are, are no plain sailing for um, the manager. Um, but look, he's, he's, he'll, he'll, Michael Carrick is ultimately a, um, a caretaker manager. So that's fine. That's fine. But the situation is this. They're eight. They're not even in European positions. They've only won one of the last five. They've got three. Well, tonight's going to be tough, but obviously the next two games. So... Going back to the situation, realistically, we have to think about who's been mentioned in the frame. There's talk, obviously, at the start of Zidane, but I think Zidane will probably want to go back to France of anywhere. And it's the man Poch. He's the main man. He's the man that everyone wants. Now, the talk was at the start that um, he was interested, but now he wants, a, well, this is all talk and conjecture, that he would like to take the job now. Now, we all love... Mauricio Pochettino, he's a fantastic manager, he was when he was here at Southampton, Tottenham even as an Arsenal supporter it was hard to hate him he's like uh, Martin Yol <laughs> for Tottenham, he's one of these guys you just love because he's just such a nice person, he never had any antagonism with whoever was the manager of Arsenal um, it, with all the love and how much we in the Premier well in England love him is he the right fit for Manchester United? Uh, before I go into that, I, I, I would just like to say that apparently the reason why Solskjaer was uh, sacked mm. this week after the 4-1 defeat was because Cristiano Ronaldo's agent, the super agent, Jorge yeah. Mendes, insisted on it. What? Apparently he got Solskjaer the sack. And people might ask, why does he care? What's his interest in this? Well, Ronaldo has already expressed that he would not play in the Europa League. Yeah. So, Jorge Mendes wants Manchester United to start winning and get into a Champions League position. Mm. So, uh, that's why this was suddenly uh, accelerated and, and why it happened as it did. Uh, because, let's face it, uh, Solskjaer has been through uh, very bad situations and survived. Yeah, yeah. But now, apparently, um, the uh, the decision was made because of what I just mentioned. I can't anyway, believe it. Coming back to Pochettino, I do think he's the right man for Manchester United. I think that uh, he would love the job. And I think Manchester United do need someone who's going to get the team working and working hard. Mm. You remember his Tottenham team were very intense, yeah. uh, high press, everyone runs and everyone defends, which begs the question, what's he going to do with Ronaldo? Yeah. 
Well, he's got some big stars where he is right now. He seems that after kind of a little bit of a rocky start, they're not doing too bad. He's not getting. He's not getting uh, any kind of form or or uh, or 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 good results out of them. They're winning, but they're struggling to win every match. Of course, they're winning. If you look at the eleven and the squads available to Mm. Paris Saint Germain and everyone else, it would be a shock if they didn't. Yeah, but they're struggling in every match. Right. And they're not pulling up any trees in the Champions League because Pochettino's high-intensity game Mm. uh, will fall apart when he tells Neymar uh, and Messi, Mm. um, probably Mbappé as well, to backtrack. They're not going to do it. Mm. And they don't. They don't. So that makes me wonder whether he is the man to have a big superstar in his team because does he impose his will on the superstar or does the superstar impose his will on the manager yeah well the, we know already what the answer is to that because if a, if a, a super agent of a player can get a manager sacked considering the the, the pedigree of ronaldo and the pedigree of Pochettino unfortunately Ronaldo wins because he was a Manchester United or he is regarded as a Manchester United legend regardless of the arguments that back and forth he is one of the people who won the league several times and the obviously the Champions League so it's it's a difficult but my point is that Poch knows how to manage superstars they don't seem to be any rumblings from the, the superstars that he's annoying them or frustrating them and he's getting something out of them, again, some sort of tune out of them. They are winning. I know what you're saying, but um, the, the stars are not there ultimately, like you said, to backtrack. And that's why they're leaking a lot of goals. But he does have a way with them, which is very different to, for example, Jose or somebody else um, of the other extreme, like Ole, who couldn't control them. He must, he must have some sort of happy medium with them. But are these superstars happy with him because he lets them get away with murder? Mm, good question. You okay. see, if that's the case, then that would explain why Paris Saint-Germain are not firing on all cylinders. Mm. Uh, as I said earlier, in the modern game, you cannot have one player not doing his job mm. in defense. Yeah, that's true. And if you have three players not doing that job, then of course you're going to struggle. And Paris Saint-Germain are struggling in every league match. Mm. I think Messi scored his first league goal last weekend. Wow, that's terrible. That is terrible. And yeah, and um, and in the Champions League, they were very lucky to beat Manchester City. Mm. Uh, they did not look good against Leipzig. They lost to Bruges. So, you know, they're not doing well. They're not yeah. doing well. And I think the plan and the um, the project is slowly going out of the window. Yeah. Oh, and there's yeah. already talk, already talk that Zidane might be ready to take over at Paris, Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Zidane getting in there. Would he be a better fit, do you think, for them? Again, uh, Zidane is very diplomatic. He's a man who gets on very well with the stars. Yeah, of course. Uh, when he arrived at uh, Real Madrid... Um, if they wanted to change uh, the training time, he'd let them do it. 
Um, he just lets them get on with it, basically. But the and fact of the matter is that he's a bigger name than all of them. Room. Sorry? So he's a bigger name than all of them. So they. Oh, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, one thing was f- for sure when he was at Real Madrid, the best player at Real Madrid was the manager. <laughs> and if he goes to Paris Saint Germain, he'll be there or thereabouts. And yeah. if he went to Manchester United, which was mentioned, he would definitely be the best player in the dressing room. Yeah. Well, he's virtually untouchable in France. I mean, he, he won them the World Cup, and, and and like he said, he's by far the best player there. Bravash have a doubt, and they they know that. So uh, thinking about Poch, uh, just coming back to him quickly. Um, obviously, this is the the last game that um, Ole was in charge. That was his setup. He's, he, he plays much more three at the back, doesn't he, Poch? And then try and pack out the midfield and then have a couple of people up front. Is that right? He has done that quite a lot, but he does vary it quite a bit. Okay. At Tottenham, he played 4-2-3-1. He played 3-5-2. Hmm. Um, uh, 3-4-1-2. Right. So I, I like a coach who can do that. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. I think that technically he's uh, sorry, tactically, he's very aware. Yeah. And uh, and he knows how to get the best out of his players, yeah. uh, because let's face it, most players at Tottenham, I think, were giving more than they'd ever given before. Oh, yeah. Well, we know that. But look at them now. Look at that. Exactly. So that's his last setup. Oh, four at the back. Four, three, three. There you go. Yeah. He's played various systems. And um uh, obviously, he needs to have three at the front because he's got to play Neymar, yeah. uh, Mbappe, and Messi. Yeah. But then he's got Di Maria as well, who yeah. is and has been superb. Mm. So it's tricky keeping everyone happy. We see that he was on the bench. Uh, yes, and you've got Vinaldum as well. You've got Ander Herrera. Um, difficult to uh, put out uh, an 11 and keep everyone happy where you have so many prima donnas. <laughs> Indeed. Well, we'll see what happens. He's the number one choice. He clearly wants to go. Apparently he has some tension with the sporting director. He seems to have a tension with everybody. Is it Leonardo? Um, Leonardo, yeah. yeah. Um, a World Cup winner with yeah, Brazil, yeah. 1994. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. Fantastic. But uh, yeah, obviously we'll see what happens with that. And hopefully Poch does come back. He does add, add something special to the Premiership. But there's another name in the hat. There's this guy, Ajax. We've talked about this guy before for another job, haven't we? Uh, the Ajax man, Eric Ten Hag. Uh, young, fresh winner. What's your thoughts on this guy? Brilliant. I don't want him to leave because I love watching Ajax and I would love Ajax to win the Champions League. Wow. I've long been an admirer of Ajax. I'm not saying they will, but uh, I would love them to. I've long been an admirer of the Ajax philosophy, yeah. uh, the way they play and how they've played for the last 50 years. Um, and if you consider that uh, they're fighting a losing battle because, um, you know, when they won three consecutive European Cups in the 70s, uh, from 71 to uh, 73. Um, there wasn't that great a difference financially between mm. all the top clubs. Mm. But, you know, for the last 20, 30 years, um, as soon as Ajax produce a good player, uh, up come uh, the big teams and they they 
poach all their talent. So they have to keep producing and and they've had to include something else in their philosophy, which is uh, scouting good young players around the world. Mm. So now they need to develop and scout. And uh, Ten Hag has done a a fantastic job. When I see Ajax play, uh, I think they're the only team that really give me enjoyment. Wow. And um, that's a big statement. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was the same when they lost the semi-final to Tottenham. Right. Um, I used to love watching them, and I, I used to enjoy it so much that I would sit in front of the TV and watching them dribble past players and play one-twos and combinations. I would sometimes just burst out laughing just from pure enjoyment. <laughs> um, they're a magnificent club. I think for a, a Dutch club. Yeah playing in the Eredivisie to have four European Cups stroke Champions Leagues. Yeah. Cup Winners Cups and UEFA Cups. I mean, it goes to show, is there a bigger club really in Europe? Yeah. Is there a bigger club? Because you have to see them in proportion to what they are and where they play. Yeah. But this coach is, he really has got the best out of them. He's got them playing fantastic football, Mm. attacking. Yes, I think he will do well wherever he goes. But please, please, please stay at Ajax, try to win the Champions League, and then go wherever you want. <laughs> Isn't that was Luis Suarez there? Yes, he was. He was. Uh, yeah. So he went that, to Groningen first. He went to Groningen and then to Ajax. Ajax to and then to Liverpool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know yeah. how people say you never make a good signing in January. Yeah. You know how people. Yeah, say they that. do. Liverpool signed Suarez in January. Really? Yeah. Wow. Gosh, he was, uh, no matter what all the controversy around him, he was absolutely scintillating. But then obviously he wanted to leave and go Barcelona. So he did. Obviously, Arsenal tried to put in a bid, but that was ridiculous. <laughs> one pound extra, wasn't it? Was this... <laughs> was well, so apparently, bad. apparently that was very, very close to coming off. Oh, yeah. He wanted to go, didn't he? I know that. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the Wenger factor. Um, but yeah. <laughs> That was crazy. Those are crazy days. That was the days we really were skimping. To pay one pound over the odds <laughs> or whatever it was, that was ridiculous. But um, so, look, I think we've talked about Poch. Eric Ten Hag hopefully uh, stays, but he is obviously in the mix. I think he's obviously one of the hottest um, talents in Europe, especially from what you see, you're saying. So, look, going back now, there's a couple, a couple of things to wrap up about Manchester United. First of all, do you think that Ole could have done anything differently under the circumstances to stop him being sacked? A, could he have dropped um, Ronaldo and gambled? Because we've talked about Ronaldo and his, his well, his, his uh, you know, well, not negative, but his situation that he creates, um, you know, with the team and tracking back the rest of it. Uh, could he be more ruthless with that? Is there anything you think of he could do? Well, what could he have done differently? Yes, he could have done things differently, but had he done those things and results had not been perfect, immaculate, then he would have gone far quicker. Because if you drop Ronaldo and you don't win, I mean, people are still talking about the fact that he dropped him against Everton and Man United didn't win. But what people are not mentioning is the fact that when Ronaldo was not on the pitch, United were leading. Yeah, And it was only after he came on that Everton equalised yeah. and nearly went on to win the game. 
And yet it's used as an example as to why Ronaldo should be playing when in fact it's an example of the opposite. Yeah, it is. I agree. I, I think that, and you know that I believe this, um, that there were two, there are two players who in the United team that finished second towards the tail end of the season were not there. Yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo and David De Gea because Henderson was playing. Yeah. And I do think, and again, I'm not saying this is the reason why United are doing so badly. I'm saying it's one of the reasons. And if you don't, you know, tick off each reason and try to address it, then things won't change. You have to uh, identify your problems and then try to correct them. Now, De Gea has pulled off some good saves in recent matches, but the other day, uh, I think it was against Manchester City when he made two or three good saves uh, in the first half. And the commentators here in Spain were going wild, of course, with him being Spanish. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, give him time, give him time. And in this same match, he will mess it up. And he did. Hmm. So what's the point of making two, three good saves if then you uh, um, concede a silly goal? And he did it again against Watford. A couple of goals, I think, were down to him. And it's just a, a recurring nightmare for Manchester United. Yeah. And don't be fooled by the flashy saves, some of which are not really that difficult, but he has an ability to make them look tough. Mm. Um, and then, uh, yes, he does make some saves that look impossible. But, you know, well, as I said before, what's the point? If further on in the game, you're going to let it through your legs. Yeah, no, he does remind me of some of the bygone year goalkeepers. Bruce Grobler comes to mind, <laughs> that kind of over-the-top jumping around. I mean, at least with Aaron Ramsdale, when he actually does those crazy saves, it actually is is because it needed to be done, not because, it you know, uh, you wanted to make it look spectacular. Um, well, so one, one, one other thing about uh, the De Gea situation is it's not just the mistakes that cost United goals. It's the um, um, the way he makes the defense nervous yeah. because he sticks to his goal line. He doesn't come out, mm. and the ball flashes across the six yard box so often. The defenders often have to defend facing their goal. Mm. Defenders don't like to do that, so he makes them nervous. He makes the United defense stutter and nervy. So. Part of the reason why the United defence is not performing is down to uh, having uh, De Gea in goal, I think. Um, and again, as I said before, it's not the only reason. It's true that they are underperforming, but you've got to look at every single aspect that um, contributes towards this mess. Yeah. Well, you're, you're a manager of a football team. Uh, and I, I've obviously have heard many people say this. You got to build from the back. It starts from the goalkeeper, then the defense. You know, if you leak it, you, no matter how many goals you score, if you're leaking goals, as we see with Newcastle United, no matter how many goals you score, you've got to be able to stop the goals going to the other end. Otherwise, you're going to get draws or even a loss. Well, I know coaches who say that they would love to win five four or six five. But I do not believe that. No. Because I think that whenever a match is played like that and results go that way, then it becomes a lottery. 
Yeah. When you are in control, you concede very few goals and you don't need to score that many to get points, to win or to draw. Exactly. Uh, and you're in control of the situation. Whereas a 5-4 to you, a 5-4 win could easily be a 5-4 defeat. It could yeah. be a 5-4 to the opposition. Yeah. So, so yes, I agree with you. I think teams have to be built from the back and safety first. That doesn't mean that you cannot play attacking football because I, I, I adore attacking football and I, I try to get my team to play attacking football. But I'm not going to give things away just because of that. Yeah, no, I agree. So final thing on the Manchester United situation. So we know they're obviously uh, struggling to really make it happen. They are eighth at the moment, uh, 17 points. Uh, look, you you just, you mentioned, you alluded to the fact that um, the Ronaldo's agent made the call because they're going to trying to get in the Champions League. Now, we know there's 38 games, 12 games played. Uh, Champions League has started again. Uh, so obviously they've got the, that extra responsibility. There's other stuff going on as well. We're coming up to obviously FA Cup, League Cup, all the rest of it. Um, what Did Manchester United for you make the full spot, regardless of Carrick, Michael Carrick, or even, surprisingly, Poch coming in before the end of the season? Do you think they've got an opportunity still to make it to top four? They have an opportunity, but I don't think they will. Mm. I think... Um... This United situation cannot be resolved overnight. Yeah. It's not easy to solve. No. And I don't think a new manager will, will join and the team will just kick off and start winning matches handsomely. It's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas I think that Conte will have and has had an immediate effect. Yeah. Um, I don't think the same will be applied to, the Man to Manchester United because I think they're problems are more deep rooted. Yeah. So I I can't see West Ham staying up there. I would love to see them there to be honest. Yeah. But yeah. I do think and I did say last time I think Tottenham are strong candidates for fourth spot. Mm. And uh Wolves and Arsenal. I I also mentioned Wolves the, the other day and I think yeah. they're com coming good. Lager is a great manager. He's got them playing well. Yeah. He's, he's got them attacking. He, uh, he recovered from uh, a poor start to the season. And look where they are now. Mm. And I think they will go from strength to strength. Uh, Wolves would be another team that I would love to see in the Champions League. Yeah. Going back to the 1950s when they were maybe even the strongest team in Europe. Um, and Arsenal, of course. Um, they were taken apart by Liverpool. But yeah. they, they were coming off a very good run. Yeah. So we'll see. Maybe, you know, if they can get back on track, maybe Arsenal can uh, fight it out. I think they'll be there or thereabouts as well. Mm. So fourth position is open to many teams. Yeah. Uh, but I just don't think United will will be the team to claim that spot. No, no I agree. I think that it'll be, it'll be fought out, I think, between the three London teams for that fourth spot. I think Man Manchester United, as has happened with Arsenal for many years after the main man left, uh, have struggled to find identity. Have struggled to find, um, you know, a focus. Luckily for Arsenal, we haven't been as in much turmoil as much turmoil as Manchester United. Uh, Manchester United have thrown a lot of money. The owners have thrown a lot of money at it. Bought lots of individual players, but uh, it needs a lot of sorting out for them to play as a team.
and have a team that actually works together, trusts each other um, and does fantastic stuff. So, yeah, I think the three London teams will fight it out. Wolves are definitely a candidate as well. Um, but usually, second half, we see the teams mm. which are of, of a smaller squad start to fall away of those last 10 games. So we'll see. We'll see. We never know what happened. It is football. Um, and uh, we know, but we know from the Leicester situation and West Ham as well last year that it can be difficult those last few games after a brutal, you know, uh, Christmas schedule and all the other cup games that are coming up. But we'll see. Yeah, so. I agree. I agree. I think um, the London teams are clearly going to be there. Um, I would love to see Wolves uh, challenge, but uh, maybe they'll fall short. I think they, they will probably fall short, as you say. Um, and look at the teams chasing behind. None of them really are convincing. Brighton, Palace, Everton. No. The, the good teams doing well in the case of Brighton and, and Palace, but they're not really going to put a challenge in for fourth spot. So basically, we're talking about the teams that we've already mentioned. Yeah, no, brilliant. And uh, look, we'll see what happens uh, along the way. So we have to say farewell to Ole. And uh, as he's already said, farewell. And he did in his last game at Watford. Yeah, he must have known it was all going to happen. Um, and we'll see what happens. Michael Carrick in charge for the Villarreal game and a few more games after that. Will Poch take the job? Uh, will there be a, a, t a twist and Eric Van Ten Hag comes in for Ajax? Uh, we'll see. It's going to be crazy to see what happens. But uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the matter. Uh, do you think that Manchester United will now move in the right direction or have they got a long way to go? Thank you for uh, your assistance in talking about everything football at Manchester United, Carlos. Pleasure. Just one final thing. Apparently, the reason why Zidane uh, is not going to go to Manchester United is mm. that his wife doesn't want to live in Manchester. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't hear that. I didn't think it was real, but as it's apparently it's true. Uh, it's not, it's, um, yeah, I mean, look, it's, uh, it's Manchester, right? It's England. England right now is in winter and it's cold and dreary <laughs> and it's nothing like the beautiful Spanish sun, which you're enjoying. Well, we, we, we've had snow uh, very oh, wow. near to where I am. So, yeah, it's it's cold. And, uh, oh, OK, and OK. Right now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's cold and wet here. Uh, but look, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see who, who goes where. It's uh, when we're going to talk about it as well. So uh, thank you for watching. Don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs>